1: You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 282 for February 6th, 2024. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk to a former student of Andrews, Renee Collins. She tells us about her journey to CRM and beyond. So let us know if you want to tell your own story. And the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill in Northern California. Good morning. And Andrew in Southern California. How's it going, guys? All right. Well, it's Andrew's topic this week, and he decided to bring on a guest. So I'll
2: let him introduce the topic and our guest. Go ahead, Andrew. Okay. So, yeah, since it was my topic, like, do I want to do the work? No. (laughs) So I'm going to have a guest (laughs) do my work, man. And Sounds like a teacher. It is. It is. That's what I do. I just, you know, delegate. So my guest today is one of my students. This is Renee Collins. I'm going to embarrass Renee right out of the gate. Renee is one of my big success stories. Renee started at Moorpark with me years ago, and she went on to get her master's degree. She's the first master's candidate I ever had. So I learned a whole bunch from Renee, which she doesn't realize, because when you're a professor and you're going through these hoops for the first time you learn a lot because you've never been through those hoops before you know in that mm-hmm. in that way so i thought because myself and and bill and chris are at this point just armchair crm archaeologists let's be honest what do we do we're not out there let's get a, a view from somebody who is out there so renee has been doing crm for a while now and i would just like To spend this time talking with Renee, you know, getting her feeling of CRM, her experiences, and we can just go from there. So, Renee, just uh, give a little about yourself and how you got into all this in the first place.
0: Well, (laughs) (laughs) I chose poorly in my profession.
1: Yes. Mm, Clearly. That goes without Uh, saying.
0: (laughs) Archaeology wasn't my first, like endeavor i worked in the music industry for a little bit and then i decided to come back because i just didn't like it and i'm like oh mm. let's just go to archaeology what i want to do since i was a kid same narrative as everybody <laughs> <laughs> i went back to Moore Park in 2010 i was a non-traditional student as i was a young 24 year old mm. and i took andrew's class i'm like okay this dude seems kind of cool and i will <laughs> get back into the thick of things. And I sat in the back of the class. I was never like that. I'm going to be that A student and sit in the front. I was like really quiet, super quiet. I have a twin sister. She took the class with me as well. And unfortunately she sucked. I won. <laughs> That's just what it is. I'm the B twin. She's a twin, but you know, it is what it is. Yep. The B twin prevails. <laughs> <laughs> And I just, I, I fell in love with what I wanted to do. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy brings so much enthusiasm. And I just continue to take classes with Andrew. I mean, you have so many options at a community college with the same professor, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just kept going, kept going. And then 2012 rolled around. And I said, hey, I need to, like, do a field school, you know. And I'm going to steal your line. There I was in Belize 2012. Yes. <laughs> and I was there for... Seven years, simply. I went all the way through through my undergrad and my graduate, and Andrew really guided me through what I needed to do because I was just like a chick with my head cut off. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and then uh, I just did all that. Worked in the Southwest for a little bit. I went to Northern Arizona for my master's degree, and I worked with Dr. Jaime Awe as my professor, uh, my advisor, and lo and behold, I asked Andrew if he can be on my, on my committee as my fourth. And he said, yes, hesitantly, like very hesitant.
2: (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. Well, maybe just for me. Yeah. And again, that was the first time I've ever, you know, I was ever on a committee like that, where I had the responsibilities of like, okay, you have to read this thesis and, you know, get back to the candidate and there's a certain meetings you have to make. And this is in the pre zoom times, just barely, you know? So it's like, you have to go for the defense and stuff, but it was really fun.
0: Yeah. You had a great time. Mm-hmm. I did. I was excited. Yeah. I still thank you for that. Lots of oh. guidance.
2: But, you know, g- and g- give yourself credit at the same time, you know, like, like you did the whole beliefs thing for years and years and that was not my project, you know, that was Jaime's project. So like you, you signed up for those experiences and were successful there. And I know that they wanted you back and you sort of, on those projects, those international projects, you know, be it Belize or whatever, they're sort of a going up through the ranks kind of thing over the years. And Renee, I know for you that you you know, went up through those ranks and made smart choices as you as you went. So in terms of, of Belize, do you have future plans there or what do you think?
0: Definitely. I mean, Belize is in my heart always as a meso-american archaeologist i'm uh-huh. i'm in crm because i had to make some money you know like sure there's no <laughs> there's no jobs in belize but i mean yeah i always constantly think about going back always it's just when the opportunity arises i will take it in a heartbeat it's just you know life and of course you know i'm, I'm constantly researching it's just because i'm not there doesn't mean i'm not like oh well you know i used to do that no i'm always in it
2: Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think a lot of us do that. I feel like that, you know, there's, there's years that I don't go to Belize, but I still feel like I always have my toe in, you know, I think there's an, Mm -hmm. there's an aspect of that that we, we always do. in terms of your CRM side, what was your first CRM gig?
0: Ooh, actually right out of my master's, I was like, I thought I was going to go back to Belize and Mm -hmm. I at the academic world. I'm like, you know what? I am burned out. <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to do this anymore. And then I saw an ad on, well, this disbanded Archeo Fieldworks post. Alpine archaeology had an excavation in Durango doing an excavation. And I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome and I applied and they put me on their crew and it kind of revitalized my love for archeology span again because I was just, I had no responsibility. I mean, responsibility to write up stuff, but I mean like just excavating and it like, it brought me back to my roots of like, oh, this is what I want to do. Mm. And I fell in love and I'm like, oh, this is it. And then I just kept doing all these different CRM gigs like excavation, I went to mo- a big pipeline monitoring project, surveys. I mean, I dealt outside of Alpine, and then I, and um, went to different CRM companies, and then I found myself back with them. Mm-hmm. And now I'm full time project archaeologist with them. Mm,
1: right. And, uh, I worked with Alpine on one project when I was shovel bumming across the United States. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was up near, uh, oh, what's that town just west of Steamboat Springs? Craig can't Craig that's where it was yeah <laughs>
0: good old Craig America
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it was interesting that yeah was a good it, was project, it was
0: probably yeah. like Rex pipeline project maybe
1: you know it was definitely pipeline and it was a it was a phase three what well, was a block excavation but it was 2008 seven something like that I can't remember I that was so Rex. it was in the but I don't know if it was associated
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I was just up in Craig for a year on a transmission line. I would say a year, six months, whatever. It felt like you mm-hmm. year. you're in Craig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, talk about a whole different, like cause you're dealing with paleontologists, contractors, mm-hmm. construction workers, all that fun stuff. I thrive in that environment because I know how to talk to these individuals right. and I find it fun and I'm, I'm protecting archeology yeah. archeology and do it at the same time. It's great. It's a different type of monitoring, not just, windshield archaeology no books read yeah, sure. on that project <laughs> and it's the first time I ever got COVID I will say thank you Craig America oh, man. <laughs> I eluded COVID for two years I haven't worked during that whole pandemic and here we are I got it because right. I decided to go out here
2: yep. we are <laughs> oh man you, you know as as we go through this I like to ask some other basic questions of you like like do you have like a best part of crm you know like we all have sort of like that day or that thing like like what's something you just like really like about it
0: i like we get a lot of like green students coming out of school and we get to teach them and i love teaching i i really teach like giving my knowledge to the new generation of archaeologists and just seeing their bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and they think they they know what they're getting into, but I, you know, teach them the realities of it and just, like, help them along and stream them along with it, and I like giving my knowledge to you know, students, or students young adults coming right. out, and mm-hmm. and they get so inspired and they I, they ask me all these questions about grad school and what, what should I do this or do that and Uh, just about archaeology in general it makes me excited and they get excited and that brings me back actually every time i went down to bleeds i would get andrew's students from the community college it always set me up with his students which i don't know if that's a curse or not (laughs) but but i feel like there's some expectations when i get his students because i'm like oh crap like what how should i do this like what did they expect out of me because i was an ex-student you know and actually they come out a lot better and I feel so good because it's, I'm not one of those people like, oh, yeah, it's just archaeology or whatever. I bring a lot of them enthusiasm and they learn so much. And that's my goal is for them to learn mm-hmm. and have passion. Because a lot of people that come into archaeology, they get like beat down by like old timers or they make them feel like crap. And I don't want them to feel that way. I want them to like, you know, go ahead in their lives and be like, this is what I want to do.
2: Yeah. And- I'm really glad you said that. I, I think it's so important that sort of make sure the old timers don't get you down because it's almost seems like their job. There's always the old guy who you can never do anything right for, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's uh, I'm so glad that you're there to sort of give them a shield for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've gone through like I've had the academic beat down and I've had the. Private sure. sector beat down where it's right. like, I don't want to do this anymore. But it's like, I have the perseverance like, no, they win if I don't like, if I leave. And right. it's not like that. If you love something, you're going to keep doing it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a question along those lines, but we'll do that on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 282. And we're talking to Renee Collins. And, you know, you talked, I mean, you started off by saying, you know, Belize is kind of your thing. You know, you want to go back there. You're always thinking about Belize. You're always doing, you know, doing stuff like that. I talked to a number of CRM archaeologists, and we all have probably, where this wasn't your first choice. Right now, sometimes right out of an undergrad, it is your first choice, right? You don't even know what else to do. But if you're coming out of a master's degree and you work and you research something else, because that's what you do in a master's degree. A lot of times you did that because that was your passion. You you found it, you did, or it became your passion. One of the two. So I'm curious, do you, I mean, you're, you're in CRM now you're at a, you know, you're at a pretty decent company in a place of the country where there's, there's a lot of work and you're managing projects. I mean, this sounds like a career, you know what I mean? And I'm just wondering, do you have a plan where you're you're looking at these steps to maybe get you in a certain direction or are you kind of going with the flow for a little while, which is totally fine. People do one of the other things. Nobody, I mean, you don't have to have a step-by-step, this is what I'm going to do. But I'm just curious as to, if that is, if your end goal is to eventually make it back to maybe Belize, maybe teaching or something like that, and, and what your what your path is to get there, not to put you on the spot. Where do you see yourself in five years?
0: (laughs) What a cheap question. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't really have a plan per se. I'm just like Mm -hmm. go with the flow type of individual. I'm happy where I'm at right now. I'm always looking for the future, but as of right now, so let's uh let's make it a little dark right now i in 2021 (laughs) i got diagnosed with ms so it was like a crappy situation and i'm like oh gosh how am i gonna do field stuff like what am i gonna do type of thing but in reality i'm i don't let it bother me i got Mm -hmm. diagnosed i got treated you know I'm just going with the flow. And okay. to be honest with you, I don't know how my body's going to be like if I get asked to go to Belize and, or just go back to Belize, like that environment's totally different than like an arid environment. So I don't know my reaction time, like hmm. what my body's going to do. But then I think back to Andrew's advisor, uh, Wendy Ashmore, and she had MS yeah, and I met her and that place she's kick-ass. Like she... <laughs> you know, she went down to Belize and like, I met her at the essays in 2012 and she, she didn't let that disease bother her. Like she was just walking around the okay, like nothing's wrong. Like I'm like, Oh, I'm gonna be like her. Hell yeah. Right. So, I mean, I always look at like, should I go the federal route? Or, you know, should Mm -hmm. I go back to school? I I mean, Andrew and I had this conversation not not too long ago about like, did I make the right choice? Do I need to go like get a PhD? Like, (laughs) because that was my end goal is to get a PhD. Like when I was 16, I wrote down like, my goal is to have a PhD in archaeology. Like what 16 year old does that? Like, even know what a PhD is as you know, the tie, the time in, you know, the U S right now or just the world about like going to school and actually getting a job in academia is few and far between and teaching is just like what I want to do, but it's really hard to get into that, you know, sector. I just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm like in a crossroads. Like I'm always in a crossroads. I'm like, did I even make the right choice? But here we are like, until I decide to, you know, go back to Belize permanently yeah. and like, you know, <laughs> go marry back a doctor permanently. And, uh, permanently and just like <laughs> yeah. marry a doctor and like have disposable income. I'm just yeah. kidding. I am not a gold digger. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right But you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at right now with Alpine. Yeah. They, as a CRM firm, I'm going to pitch them. I have, they're so supportive. I've never worked with a company that's been so supportive in my life in general, like whether it be, you know, like, retail or, you know, one of those jobs, they care. And that's, that's the big thing for me.
1: I want to know, you you made me think of something, Renee, because, and Bill actually put this in our little side chat on the podcast here. I've actually kind of wanted to teach for a long time. I I find myself that I I like being in that sort of environment, you know, just, I don't know. I just like that, but I have a master's degree. I don't have a PhD. And I want to know from Bill and Andrew, first off, I know there's places in the country where you can do some form of teaching with a master's degree, right? Generally, it's accepted knowledge that you need a PhD to be a college professor. If that's the level you want to teach at, is there talk in that world about, you know, with, with a lot more people talking about not going to college at all, is there, are colleges talking about maybe walking that back a little bit for, for a level of college professor for master's
3: degrees? All right. No. Yeah, (laughs) Bill. No, No. No, they're not. So, you know, PhDs are rare in the actual world, but they're abundant, ubiquitous, and not uncommon in academia. And so I don't see a world in the United States where there's gonna be a time where we don't have enough PhDs to teach. So, Hmm. you know, if they can get a PhD, why not? Right. It's just like CRM. If they can get someone with a masters, why not? you know i just think that i don't really see there being a, a pathway for a lot of people who don't have a really unique skill right like so some folks are you know excellent artists and so they can be hired on as instructors and they have like no degree right and some people are mm-hmm. you know amazing business people or or folks who have made influential gains elsewhere and they teach and they don't have a phd mm-hmm. but for everyday folks who want to teach i mean i think that like phd Is is just kind of the way that it goes in the United States. And it's very, very hard to have a job with benefits, something that's going to beat Alpine. It's hard to get something that's going to beat Alpine if you don't have a PhD.
1: Right. Yeah. I was thinking that, I mean, you can work yourself into a six figure salary in some CRM firms. I mean, depending on where it's at and how big it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you can work, hard you to- can work
3: yourself to death in academia, teaching like 19 different adjunct classes and all this other stuff for less than minimum wage. And, you know, really working 10 hour, 12 hour days at multiple universities, just trying to scrap together some kind of a, you know, teaching career and academia doesn't seem to mind whatsoever how many adjuncts there are, or how horrible their conditions are, because there's always someone who will do that job just so that they can say they're a professor.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Although on the flip side, like I, I, my short answer is I totally agree with Bill. Like that's, that's that world, except what I would say, like for somebody like you, Renee, you know, you, you have a master's in hand, you have a ton of experience. Yeah. You could teach part-time and at a community college, you could teach like masters is meets minimum quals at a community college so we have like part-timers who have only a master's you know so for (laughs) for you or for chris you know too you can do that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and ultimately we have to think about the big picture which is quality of life so while what everything bill said is like correct if if you're all into being in an r1 university and you know researching and living the college professor dream whatever that is yeah no way (laughs) like that's like phd only that whole world right but You stay and Bill wrote this in the in the comments in here. You stay at Alpine, but then you're like, oh, yeah. And then on Wednesday nights, I teach intro to archaeology at the local community college. Like, I think the future really for all of us is side hustles like that. And then ultimately, that might bring you the joy you want, because like for like you for actually both for Renee and for Chris, I can see both you guys doing that. You know, like Mm -hmm. Wednesday nights I go over and I teach intro to archaeology because both of you would be like fantastic in front of the class, you know, all that stuff like you could those gigs are out there. So I think the future is about thinking of it like that. Don't quit your day job kind of thing, but expand those little side hustle things. And that might bring you the joy you crave, you know, well,
3: in, in all fairness, too, with the situation that's going on, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but there's several articles that have been coming out about how there's going to be a shortage of archaeologists. I mean, folks who are working in CRM know that there's not enough <laughs> folks who are uh, coming out that are ready to work in CRM. And so there are increasing conversations at the SAA and other organizations about how can we increase the quality of the folks who are graduating but also get more individuals to finish college. And I you know, there's I think that it really has to be uh, collaboration between CRM government agencies because government agencies are the ones who set the bar on you know what kind of education needs to happen, what kind of you know ways folks have to report at the shipo and other things like you know when I worked in Arizona, you have to have a PhD to have an excavation permit in the state of Arizona, and so those organizations if there's no one who meets those criteria, then you can see how everything just kind of grinds to a halt, and then of course universities. They need to figure out some kind of pathway. And I think that, you know, I, I think that there's there could be, it depends on the institution, it could be a dangerous precedent, right? Where if you just have folks from the community teaching for even less than an adjunct, just one class at a time, you don't have to provide benefits or anything. And you can just really dog folks who really want to help others and, and pretty much build your entire program around, you know, folks who are teaching one class at a time. And then you don't need any professors, right? So I can see how some institutions, their glimmer in their eyes, shining extra bright. (laughs) And you hear what you just said, Andrew, like, yes, finally we've gotten it. Now we don't need anyone. You know, we can have people who are just off the streets and now we can just have them teach and shift everything to night school and then we no longer even need buildings, right? Like we don't need anything. So, you know, there's, there's that, but there's also the fact that we've got a wealth of folks who have experience and can teach in ways that professors can't. And so adding some folks into universities To teach these certification classes, to teach classes that are not intro to archaeology, but actually, you know, Mayan excavation techniques, something that's an actual, like, focused class that when you take it, your assignments actually show that you have skills and ability, you know, identifying these certain kinds of uh, ceramics, doing GIS, these kind of things that really will give people true workplace skills that can be taught by people who are absolute experts that universities, a lot of times they don't have those folks. So yeah. I do see a pathway where not teaching archaeology 100, let the professors teach that huge one, teach the skills and values-based ones, you know, archaeology communications, right? Chris is a perfect you know, person to talk about that, to talk about presentations, podcasting, blogging, writing, publishing, and networking, all of this stuff. There's not going to be a professor who has the skills that Chris does, right? So those right. are like the perfect avenues for you to have your own niche Thing that then you make sure that agencies and CRM companies know you're teaching this, that it's super valuable. And any person who finishes this class, they've got this skill. They learn from the best.
0: Bill, I agree with you completely of what you're saying. We, I mean, there's a massive shortage of like CRM archaeologists. We are having a hard time finding people. But in reality, though, like in the academic room, I'm not shooting at you, Andrea. I'm just saying it's... What? I'm oh, sorry. me on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like at the academic level, professors that are in like, you know, these R1 schools, they kind of do a disservice to the students where they're just teaching mindlessly like classes that don't do anything for them and there's no reality to it and and it it, that boggles my mind because you have these students that come out and they they have no nothing they don't think about shippo or section 106 or what crm really is because these professors don't do it they just teach academic and that there needs to be like a class or a couple courses where it explains what section 106 is what 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 tribal liaisons are coordinators or what tribes we work with and all those communication factors, what to expect. Like my goal is to have a class that's called the realities of archaeology. And it really goes into the private sector, not just (sighs) academic, what to expect in the real world. That's I think that's great. You didn't backstab me at all. I actually
2: (laughs) agree with you 100 percent. And I've been pushing some of that in my in my own classes. So, no, good for you, Renee. I, I can't agree more. Nice.
0: Yeah. I will say, Andrew, like if it wasn't for you and you're like more, it, more part college is really like the premier college to like take all these classes. It's like, Oh, your excavation class. This is what archeology span is. Welcome to what we do. And it, like, I've seen so <laughs> many students come through with these classes. It's like, Oh, they're not going to make it like this is, they don't want to do it. Like it's sad when you go to a field school in like, the us say Belize. And I've seen it where, they're supposed to be there for a month and they can't hack it for two weeks and they leave. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, I just got my BA. I don't know what to do now. Wow. And that sucks. And that's the disservice that academia does to these students.
2: It does. Or they can be yeah. grad students. And that happens. Yes. Like how I'm could too. you not know this by now?
1: Okay. Well, let's take a break. And while Bill works on my honorary PhD from Berkeley, <laughs> uh, we will... Hey, I want one of those too. Uh, can you throw me on the list? Uh, <laughs> <all
3: right. laughs> I'll add
1: you to the list. Yeah. All right. Well, Well, while Bill works on that, we'll take a break and come back for segment three back in a minute. Welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast episode 282. And we're wrapping up this conversation with professional CRM archaeologist, Renee Collins. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> I'm
0: not How, not I about professional.
1: I mean, you are, whether you like it or not. Yeah, so day, Along yeah. those yeah. lines. Yeah. yeah. Along those lines. You know, we're, we're, we're coming out of winter in some places. We're still deep in winter and others and entering winter and others. But as we start looking at the next field season, you know, you got you, you. I think you mentioned in one of the segments that there's not enough people to work in this field, right? Like you're constantly looking for people. So what what can or should somebody do if they want to consider a job in that area? what should they be studying? You know, things like that. Not necessarily with Alpine, but maybe with Alpine. But what would you think you'd be looking for in somebody that you guys would hire?
0: Well, since this is a really interesting field season, we're actually starting, it's the middle of winter. It's writing time. We have a lot of projects coming up, like coming mm-hmm. up as in like soon. And this is yeah. not normal. There's just so many different jobs happening right now. And we have a shortage of filling our, our slots with field techs and, and, with Alpine, we, we really pride ourselves of like, you don't need, like we, we have interns and you you can have no field experience and apply. Like we, how are you going to learn if you don't apply? Like that's yeah. how you get experience. Right. And we, we teach, we train we're hands on and it's okay if you're super green and don't know, that's okay. That's our job. We are here yeah. to teach you. And if you find you work with somebody and they don't teach you and they think they know everything. Yeah. They're, (laughs) excuse my language. They're full of shit. Yeah. But yeah, like we're really easy to like apply for you. Just go on our Alpinearchaeology.com and like there's a hiring button and you just upload your CV and it is totally okay. If you don't have, you know, a ton of CRM experience or anything like that. Like if you have one thing on your CV, that's okay. And I'll, I'll, go back to Andrew because during one of his classes is a survey class. We created a CV and he's like, it's okay. If there's nothing on there, like we're building that. And you Mm can put this class as your, you know, experience because it is experience and don't be afraid to apply. The worst answer you can get is no, but We will not say no. We need people. <laughs> we we train, and if you keep going, yeah. like you level up every time you go onto a job, and you you can ask all the questions. I encourage all the questions. Someone who asks questions shows their ambition and wants to learn. Someone who doesn't ask any questions, <sighs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. another story. But yeah. please, um, we are more this this firm is more than happy for anyone to apply.
1: Okay.
3: Nice. Even East Coasters? Yes, sir. Even <laughs> East yeah, I know that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I lived in Arizona, it was always like, ooh, they're from Illinois. Like, watch them. Because, like, watch yeah, them. you know, it, it gets warm here. And that makes yeah. sense. You know those Midwesterners and Easterners in Arizona would just like, it was like the cartoons, right? Where Bugs Bunny's crawling across the desert, like gasping <laughs> and seeing like, you know, mirages and stuff like that. Like, dude, mm-hmm.
0: it's only 110,
3: what's wrong? Right, right.
0: I will say, though, Al, we're really big on safety. And if you're, we encourage everyone to speak up. And as me, as a crew chief, it is my responsibility to make sure everyone's okay. And it's not like, oh, well, we're going to push and push and it's the job. No, people are the, you know, are the main priority. If you're not feeling good, please tell me. There's no, oh, my God, she's gonna, I'm going to get in trouble if she asks me, like, if she tells me or whatever like if you're not feeling good you're not going to get reprimanded because you're not feeling good please tell me Mm -hmm. i I think that's i think that's a big thing with like newbies coming in they're afraid to say hey i don't feel good because they think they're going to get in trouble or something like that no you are a human being if you're not feeling good and your crew chief doesn't pay attention to you they're the problem not you
3: that's a huge new development from what i was doing crm Yeah, but that also follows in line with the question that I had too about new hire folks. Uh, What's some things that you find yourself more than once having to tell new people? Like, what are some of the things that they have to learn from you
0: when they first get hired? Common sense. That's a big thing. (laughs) No (laughs) breath (laughs) on that. Right. Well,. I feel I don't know. Maybe because I'm an older generation, newer, newer generations come in. It's a lot of like hand holding, which is it's kind of like, oh, my phone says this, my phone says that. It's sometimes it's like, well, my phone has a compass, so I get to use my phone, absolutely not you use a real compass. Thank you very much. <laughs> or I don't have service. It's like I don't know. It it's hard. I don't I haven't really had too many new people to be honest with you. I usually they go on easier projects before they, they come to me because they're trained a little bit. But I don't know. I think it's it is a lot of common sense like questions. And that has to do with life because I blame COVID for a lot of things where like students don't really know because they're in a bubble. And I get yeah. that yeah. yeah. It's not their fault. I, no, I
1: know I, I will say I will say real quick, as a tech guy on side-by-side tests, the phone compasses are actually highly accurate, but they die, whereas regular compasses don't.
3: <laughs> so that's the uh, big disadvantage. But it's a vital
0: skill to have a real compass. Just
3: yeah, I was going to say, and also the, the phone compass doesn't have a siding mirror, and it doesn't that's have true. A, a ruler on the side for you to actually use right. on the map. And when you lay it down, it like moves all around and stuff like that. and Totally. Right, compared to the compass. So. There's you, need a of, uh, you know, if you're if you're totally lost out there, I because the other thing too that I recognize is that your phone compass automatically accounts for declination. Mm-hmm. Like it just knows where you're at and it just adds the declination on there. You have to manually do that with a compass.
0: I will say all, all my right. compass skills come from Andrew.
2: Yeah, good. You know what's so funny? We're talking about declination. I literally, my Saturday class yesterday, we set our declination on our compasses. So, And I agree with everything what Bill said, and I'm sure Renee agrees too. You know, it's like, dude, you need to use a real compass. There are other yeah. things on here. The mirror, the measuring, like yeah. you need to get out of cyber world.
3: <laughs> but I mean, I, to be true, I found myself using the, the phone more than ever before these last, you know. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of stuff on it. It's good. I mean, I sure. it helps. But you still got to know your old foundational skills.
2: Yeah. And then I have the students, yeah. like, check with their phone or try them both or see if they're the same yeah. or different, you know. so uh, And we we sometimes download new apps and stuff just to try them, any sort of mapping wow. apps or stuff. You know, just try them and see if they work or not.
3: One of the good ones that I saw that was a free plant app, too, Mhm. It's called PlantNet, and it's actually pretty decent compared to, you know, a lot of the other. I remember having to carry all these, like, books on different kinds of plants. I'd go to different states and stuff, and I need to learn all these cacti and stuff. Well, the Plant app, it's not bad. It's not as bad, you know? Yeah. So, another useful app. hmm mm-hmm. I guess we- I have another question, too. You know, as Andrew and I teach students, so... What, is it, what should we be teaching students? I don't know if common sense is one that we can really teach, right? <laughs> I I try. I try. It's like, you know, you got to figure that out on your own, I guess. But mm-hmm. what are some things you wish that we'd teach folks that are going out into cultural resources?
0: What are transects and what are, what to expect in the field? Like, I mean, we have students, uh, students young adults coming in and they don't have the time proper gear and I know going like going as you in your career you're gonna like this is what I need this is what I need but just like bring your lunch bring all that stuff and then teach them maps like how to navigate what is CRM basically like a lot of students come in they have no I keep seeing students I'm sorry they're not students young adults <laughs> they come in they don't know how to read a map I think that's a skill that's being lost definitely and just how to navigate triangulate. What is section 106? I think Andrew like you now have a CRM class for Saturday, is it a CRM yeah. class that you
2: Yeah, it's CRM professionalism, so I go I go deep dive into section 106.
0: Yeah, and I, like I was thinking about this the other day, I'm like maybe like for one of your finals you should have like a mock-up site write-up and like mm-hmm. and have like a nomination for NRHP or like really go into that so they're kind of prepared and like I mean they don't have to hit all that, but like just like oh, this is what crew chiefs do so they they have an understanding it's like oh i get to do this one day and they have right. a better understanding around the field and what like for crm maybe teaching wise like what is a site like in terms of crm because every state's different right yeah so These it,
2: are great. It, 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 Yeah, I'm writing this stuff down as you're talking. I'm just like, okay, oh, that's a good one. You know, so this is really helping me out.
3: Yeah, me too. I mean, I I built a class that has some of those skills, but now I'm realizing I should cut out some other stuff and expand those sections. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And then like what we deal with a lot in CRM is lithics. Like that is a big thing. Maybe like introducing some lithic analysis, like have a little like workshop or Something like that, like to identify what's a thinning flake or what's a core reduction flake, like stuff like that, like that will really hone in skills for us and help us out in the long term, because it depends on where you work in the country. But I mean, when you're in the Southwest, you're going to see a more ceramics, maybe have like a ceramic workshop if you want to work there or like what's a thermal feature? Like what's the characteristics of that? Mm hmm stuff like
2: that. Yeah, this is that great. That would help. You know, and sort of a follow-up question on this same thing. Is there anything, like when you finished, even your master's, is there anything you wish you knew personally? Like you came out and you're like, damn, I wish I had more experience in this or more skill set in this. Was there like one or two things?
0: Well, the beauty about NAU in Northern Arizona, it had a CRM, like, mm-hmm. class, taking the upper, upper division and a lot of the professors that were in that we're teaching we're in the federal government or we're in CRM. So we got a really big skill set and that we're allowed to go out like with them. And I got a lot of like training with that. And not all universities have that at all, but I would think more of like the things I didn't know when I was in grad school, I wish I knew is like, The federal government has a a program called Pathways, and I wish I knew that. And Pathways is like an internship program, I think. And basically it teaches you what the federal government wants. And you could be like a GS-5 and then ultimately get like a permanent job. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that going in as a student. And I wish I did.
2: That's great. You know, right then, as you were talking, there's no way in my notes I was writing down federal government pathways. No, no. I was just I was just listening, (laughs) meaning that this is this is great stuff. Right. I have a long list of like, oh, man, I got to get on this. Even the little things you said, like talking about uh, what is a transect. I'm like, oh, man, I got to double down on the transect thing. I mean, I touch on it, but you're right. Like when I think back to my own times in CRM, I'm like, yeah, just how to walk a transect, how to stay in a straight line, you know, how to stay in a straight line with others and not like run into each other. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: And Mm -hmm. different types of like surveys, like block Mm -hmm. survey versus linear surveys.
3: Right. Yeah.
0: Like I have a hard time block surveys. I don't know why. That's just me. And I'm, I'm okay to admit that I'm not perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Hey, we're nearing the end of this show. Renee, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about your career choices or anything else?
0: Well, if you want more, you can always reach out to me. Not a problem. I'm always available. Okay. Find me on the Alpine website.
2: Yep. We'll Email do. me
0: there. But yeah, just keep on keeping on. As George, Joe Dirt would say, life's a garden, dig it. And <laughs> <laughs> <here you go. laughs> literally, nice. and just life's too short to do the things you don't love doing. Bruce yeah. Dickinson, I just stole that. But here we are. <laughs> you love archaeology. Keep doing it.
1: Awesome. Well, that's good advice. And... With that, Andrew, thanks for bringing on Renee. This has been really great. Yeah, it's great having her. If anybody else really wants to come on and just kind of tell your story, I mean, it really helps. I think it really helps other people because we all not only kind of came into this from different pathways, but we're all on different journeys, even though it, all, it kind of seems the same because there's only a you know a handful of positions really in this field, but it's all different, right? Depending on where you work and what company you work for and everybody's experience is different. So it benefits to, to let other people know that things they're experiencing and feeling and, and going through are, are similar and, and other people have done it and yet different enough that you can kind of write your own path if you want to. So with that, we will say goodbye to this week and we'll see you guys next time. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archpodnet.com slash Podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at archpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye.
3: Bye bye.
2: Bye, guys. See you guys next time. This
1: episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland,